Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 60 of the Holding Court podcast. Our special guest today is co-founder and CEO of Whole30 and New York Times bestselling author, Melissa Urban. Something that Melissa and I have in common is that we both contributed to creating the Whole30 meal plan for Fresh and Lean. In fact, Justin is the head of sports wellness at Fresh and Lean. And in today's episode, we'll learn more about the creation of Whole30, get her perspective on the importance of setting boundaries in your life, and how her vulnerability allows her to connect with so many people. All coming up right now on Holding Court. Boom. Today is the day. Today's the day. We're going to get to talk to Melissa. I know. I'm excited. Whole30 has become such a buzz topic. Not a buzz topic because it's now our life, but it is this season and starting with spring training you were getting so much attention about what you were doing and every single interview post game or even just in spring training and media day it was what's justin doing what's whole 30 what is this what is this so many questions skinny pop skinny pop became your nickname (laughs) yeah it's it's been a wild ride this year um on Whole30 and doing this whole program of eliminating everything and experimenting with, you know, what we're putting in our bodies and what we're eating and how it's making us feel. And we've gotten such great results and we've talked about it all the time. We've had several people, I feel like, come on the podcast and give their Whole30 experience. Yeah. But now we actually have... The the, queen. The queen. The person (laughs) behind... The entire Whole30 program, Melissa Urban coming on, and I couldn't be more excited. Yeah. I love it. The female CEO. Yeah. The boss. The boss. Coming on here. I just love it. I can't wait to ask her all of my questions. Right. I feel like I even love, I'm going to ask her, but I even love that I'm emailing with her setting up this podcast. I know. I love the personal touch. You know how I feel about answering emails and and doing all of that. So we'll have to get to the bottom of why she's the one emailing me and why not someone else because someone very well could be on the emails. Yeah, I wonder if she's like weird that she's not emailing with the producer of Holding Court. She's emailing with you. <laughs> she and is. You're probably, and you were like, man, why am I? It's weird. I'm emailing directly with Melissa. Like, I know. Maybe so, we're birds of a feather. Yeah. We're going to find out, That's but awesome. let's get her on here and let's dive a little deeper into all things Whole30. Let's go. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Courtney, Justin. It's so great to chat with you today. It's so good to have you on. Obviously, we have learned all about you and <laughs> about your experience and creating this Whole30 that has become feel like such a big part of our lives this year and was such a hot topic in spring training with you. And so we're just really excited to have you on and dive a little deeper into everything. Yes, I can't wait. Let's get into it. So first of all, I just have to say, and I don't know if you have the same reasons that I do, but I noticed that when we were setting up this podcast, you were right there on the emails. Is that something like you just like to have your hand in it? Is it have to do with your scheduling or what's the reason for that? 
I love that you noticed that. I have talked about this before. I am a CEO who manages my own calendar. And I do that because I am incredibly sensitive to energy expenditure and I have very good boundaries around it. And nobody else could possibly understand what it takes for me to like do a podcast or have this call or take this new meeting than me. So I handle all of my own invitations and I block things out appropriately so that when I show up for something like this, I'm fully invested and I have enough energy to actually participate and like leave feeling restored instead of depleted. That's amazing. And I feel like that opens a lot more doors for people, especially doing business and and working with people and meeting people because through our foundation, when we get emails and Courtney's directly responding to everyone, everyone's like, holy crap, is this really Courtney? And she's like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. this is really me. And she's like, oh my God. And then when I make phone calls to businesses to try to do partnerships or, or try to get them to sponsor our events, they're like, wait a minute, like you're calling me? And yeah. I feel like it's it's just so much more personal and it goes a lot further when, you know, you're taking the reins and, and you're doing it yourself. So that's, that's awesome. That yeah. You do that too. I think you can fall into the entrepreneur trap of feeling like, oh, in order for people to think that I'm big and important, I need to like have an assistant and have them managing this stuff. And like, I just don't buy into that. I do have an awesome team who manages definitely some aspects of like my life and the business, but this was one thing that like, I didn't want to give up. Yeah. Well, I think when people ask what your schedule is, they'll say, Hey, what is your, what does your Monday look like? And you would say, Oh, I have a meeting from, you know, nine to 11. And then I have the, and they're like, okay, great. A three hour block that I can shove something in. It's like, wait, I don't necessarily, that's not my free time. Like I might want to get a workout in, or that might be when I'm going to lunch or something like that. So I think people see free time and especially with everyone with phones now and everyone just assuming that you're going to be accessible 24 seven. If you have an open spot in your calendar, I really love that. And it's, yes, I always find it funny on my emails though. People will say, Oh, I didn't want to bother you. I'm like, wait, so you wanted to bother someone else? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm bringing this to you. I'm like, no, like, I don't know. There's, I mean, I'm looking around, there's no one else that you're going to yeah. be able to bother. So I love Yeah. That. Especially in people with people working from home with COVID too. My team is only remote. We have always only been remote. So everyone's very used to working from home and learning how to set those boundaries around like, just because I am home and my computer is in the same room, doesn't mean I am available for like a work email in this moment. So I'm helping a lot of people right now figure out how to set boundaries when work and home and very often kids and like school kind of all bleeds together during this pandemic. Yeah. I love that. Well, let's get into the Whole30 and we can share a little bit about how we found it. Actually, it was kind of full disclosure. I actually always came across the recipes on Pinterest Mm -hmm. and I really did. I thought it was just kind of a recipe system for someone that was dealing with allergens. So when Justin went, I think it's been what, three years you've been dairy free now. now. Yeah. So the team had this kind of like dairy free movement from one of his teammates. And so I want to say how many guys on the team are, uh, last year we had like five or six this year. There's I think three. It's always four. funny going to dinner with the team because it's like, okay, somewhat, and they're like any dietary, it's like, okay, dairy, gluten, yeah. <laughs> let's just go around the horn like before. So I always just looked up the recipes when I wanted to make sure that I was going to be making something and I wouldn't have to worry about it. So I didn't even really know everything about it. And so I had a friend post that she was doing a whole 30 and really just basically wanted someone to 
do it along with me. And I was kind of surprised when Justin said, okay, sure. Cause I was yeah. like, Oh, well that is helpful. Cause obviously if you're doing something and we did it in spring training, so we're in our condo in Arizona and the days are very much wake up early, you go to the field and then you're home. Obviously you don't have really night games. So it's pretty much based around a lot of being at home and our mm-hmm. meals and that sort of thing. So pretty much was like, I don't want to suffer alone and do this. So jump on it with me and let's do it. And you kind of had a lot of interest in this because you're obviously at the field all day. You're talking to guys, you're sharing what you're doing. They're seeing what you're eating. And so you got a lot of attention pretty much right away. Yeah. And I got great results right away. I felt better. I've slept better. I had more energy and I was just like moving around better. And guys were noticing, they're like, man, you look good. Like what's going on? And I'm like, yeah, whole 30. And they're like, what's whole 30. And I started explaining it to them. And it's funny, like how many people, when you explain it to them, like, Oh, it's this elimination um, process and you take all this stuff out and then you reintroduce it. And as soon as you tell them what you're eliminating, they're like, Oh, there's no way I can do that. Oh yeah. There's no way I can give up dairy or, Oh, there's no way I can not have alcohol for a month. And it's like, really? Like you, I mean, you see like, me like and you say oh my god you look great you're moving great everything looks so good like what are you doing and then as soon as you hear about it you're like "Ah, I can't do that Mm, and it's crazy the limitations that people put on themselves yeah yeah it reminds me of that meme where it's like you know I'm tired all the time and your body's like drink some water go outside and move eat some vegetables and you're like I just don't know what it is like I don't know what I can do (laughs) there's a reason that I lead with what you are eating on the whole 30 for 30 days because that no list can feel intimidating and I think if you don't understand the process behind it that it's not a diet it's not a weight loss program it's not like a cleanse or a detox it's like a real scientific experiment I think that makes it easier to understand oh yeah I'm giving this stuff up and I'm going to reintroduce it. And here's why I'm doing this like process. Yeah. And we have, we have a bunch of guys too, that do like their food sensitivity tests and all this stuff and they get stuff back and they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I I'm allergic to this or I'm not supposed to eat this or I'm sensitive to that. And I'm like, well, you can like trust that little like prick of blood from your finger, (laughs) or you can just do whole 30 and then find out what you can actually (laughs) eat and reintroduce it. And if, you're fine when you reintroduce it, then, you know, you're probably fine. You don't need some test to tell you that. And those food sensitivity tests, I know they're really popular right now, but for one, they're not super accessible, right? There's a cost associated with them and you have to know how to interpret them, but they can also bring back a lot of false positives because if you are if you have like a leaky gut or if you have a, a gut dysfunction where foods are getting into the bloodstream into your immune system when they normally wouldn't, then you can come back with those lab tests and it will say like, well, you can't eat this, this, and this. But honestly, if you just undertake a gut healing kind of anti-inflammatory protocol, like the whole 30, you might be surprised what you can actually tolerate really well. Exactly. I think people just don't want to, like some people are afraid to know that they can't have something, but obviously you can work through and find out a way to reintroduce and all that. I was really sad that my thing that upset me the most, well, upset my stomach the most, which I've known forever is like pickle. I feel like it's probably just like, um, additive in pickled. I like I can eat like jalapenos out of the jar. And then Mm -hmm. I realized like, that's my 
trip to the bathroom and I mm. didn't want to know that because obviously I'm like the girl <laughs> at the movies that was like one jalapeno per nacho and just like living my life and then the next day I'm like well, how did that happen and everyone in my family's like Courtney like you know why that <laughs> happens <laughs> like come on and so it's it is I think it is kind of sad sometimes if you find out you maybe have an intolerance and you probably know it obviously what what upsets you but yeah, there is like a grieving. <laughs> there's a grieving process that goes along with learning that the foods that you used to love just aren't serving you. And I remember my first whole 30, I used to love those Dan and light and fit yogurts. So like super low fat ones that were artificially. And after my whole 30, I took a bite and it just tasted like chemicals and I and it made my stomach really upset. And there was a process of like, oh man, you know, I would walk around in summer and see someone just like casually eating an ice cream cone and I would be so mad at them. Because like, why can't I do that? And of course I could if I wanted to, but it's not worth it because yeah. of the digestive distress that it brings me and the fact that I would break out. And so there is like a bit of a, I think a grieving process that goes along to it, but like, it's going to happen whether you know it or not. Wouldn't you rather be aware of what your triggers are and how it impacts you so that you can make educated decisions about including it or not including it going forward? Yeah. I know a lot of mine was also gluten, which is it's interesting because it was certain items, like certain types of gluten, like certain, I don't know, I could eat it some days and then other days there was the headache and feeling super tired and I don't know. It's just like, you don't want to think that something is going to affect you like that. You're like, how, yeah. could, how could they do this to me? But I don't know what you I always. I, I, I'm not going to swear on this podcast, but we always joke that our tagline should be like, awareness is like a bee, like a, you know, like yeah. a beach. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> when you do have that awareness, you're kind of like, darn it. Like, how did, you know, I almost don't want to know this, but like, of course you do. Of course yeah. you want to know and it does serve you, but sometimes that can be hard. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even want to find out. Like I, after I finished my whole 30, I was like, I feel so great and it feels so good. Like eating clean. Like I don't even care to bite into a wheel of cheese right now and find out <laughs> yeah. if my stomach hurts. Like I don't want it. I don't want to eat crap because I know how feel how good I feel right now that yeah. I don't even want to experiment with possibly not feeling good. So I was yeah. just like, all right, like let's figure something out. I want to continue. Like I don't just want to like fall off the cliff, right? 30 days are up and then it's just like, oh, okay, go eat a pizza. Go eat. Like I didn't yes. want to do that. I wanted to continue it. And so that's kind of where this whole next thing came in and, and we got in touch with fresh and lean and they made a whole 30 line. And, uh, it's just been amazing to be able to kind of continue it. And that's one thing that we wanted to talk to you about is in our food freedom is figuring out like what happens after 30 days. Like, what do you mm -hmm. tell people? Like, how do you go about still eating clean if you're not actually following whole 30? Yes. I love that, that. That's a fantastic and super meaty question. And of course I have a great answer because I wrote a book all about it. <laughs> We've talked about the idea that the whole 30 is based on the framework of an elimination diet, which has two parts, the elimination of foods that are very commonly problematic. And when you eliminate them for 30 days, you see what happens, what happens to your energy, your sleep, your attention span, focus, digestion, skin, asthma, allergies, migraines, all of these things that can be impacted by the food that you eat. At the end of those 30 days, you reintroduce and there has to be this two part to the whole, this two part system to the whole 30. You can't just eliminate. And then on day 31, go eat pizza and wine and beer and ice cream, because when you feel like junk and you inevitably will, 
you won't know what to blame for the migraine that you got or the skin breakouts or the digestive distress. You won't know if it was the gluten or the dairy or the booze. So reintroduction is a very careful and systematic approach where you're reintroducing one food group at a time and going back to the whole 30 for two to three days in between. So that if you do have any negative symptoms pop up, you have a few days back on that baseline program that you know works really well for you to allow those symptoms to calm down. And if you think about it like a scientific experiment, this is really where you learn the most about how food impacts you. If you reintroduce white rice and you feel great and it gives you good energy and you have no digestive distress and no mental it fog, then awesome. White rice works great for you and you should include that in your food freedom. If you reintroduce gluten, as Courtney mentioned, and like you get a headache and you feel really tired, then you might wanna play around with, okay, are there different forms of gluten that are better for me than others? Is gluten plus sugar and a, you know, essentially nasty combination, but I might be able to eat some bread once in a while. Is it a, is it a dose thing? Is it a timing thing where if I eat it with a meal versus by itself, it makes a difference. So I often talk about reintroduction as kind of a lifelong practice. Every time I eat something that isn't part of the whole 30 kind of baseline plan, I'm looking at it and asking myself, okay, how is, is it still serving me? Is my digestion still good? You know, is my energy still good? Is my sleep still good? And essentially the purpose of the entire program, what we call our food freedom is so that you can build the perfect sustainable diet for you, where you get to bring stuff back in that you think is just worth it. It's delicious. It's maybe culturally significant. It's family significant. You love it so much. It works well for you, but you bring them back in, in a very careful and conscientious way such that you see how much you can get away with and still look and feel exactly as good as you want to. So it's kind of the fun part of the whole 30 is your food freedom where you're like, okay, I really miss peanut butter cups. How many peanut butter cups can I eat without feeling like crap and having my energy tank and my sleep tank and my cravings improve. And you figure out if that's once a week or once a day or half a peanut butter cup or a package of peanut butter cups. And that's really how your food freedom works. Like essentially for the rest of your life, you're always kind of thinking about, is it worth it? Do I want it? And how are these foods making me feel and making adjustments along the way? Or just smelling a peanut butter cup, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you hit it on, I think the, the toughest part for people is the awareness and mm -hmm. realizing, you know, what they ate and that that could possibly be why they don't feel good. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like people eat like without thinking about what they're eating and then later on, they don't feel good and they never go back and correlate it with what they were eating. They're just like, yes. oh, I don't feel good. I, I feel like crap, my immune system, whatever, whatever it is. And yeah. then the other part of the awareness is doing Whole30 has really taught Court and I to start reading labels and paying attention yes. to what's in what. And it's Court said all the time, she's like, man, it's so crazy, like how much unnecessary, she calls it unnecessary dairy. Like how much yeah, unnecessary like. <laughs> dairies and stuff, how much yeah. crazy amounts of sugars and stuff like, like bacon. You're like, yeah. wait, what? We're yeah. adding yeah, sugar and bacon. <laughs> like what the heck? Like, so the awareness side of it, I think it really opened our eyes going through this whole 30 process as far as understanding decisions that we're making, what we're eating, paying attention to how we feel after, and then also understanding the labels and shopping and, you know, buying our next meal and knowing exactly what's going into that next meal so we can have awareness of how we're going to feel after because of what's in it. 
Yeah. Label reading is such an important skill. And like 98% of people who finish the whole 30 say that they continue their label reading in life after, because it's just been a, become a part of sort of your process for meal planning and shopping. But what you just described is exactly the very careful plan and program that Whole30 and Food Freedom encompasses, which is the Whole30 is the piece that teaches you the awareness. And it helps you understand, you know, if you say someone who's who's a smoker, if you say to them, hey, smoking might be impacting like your ability to breathe well, they're going to go, yeah, that makes sense. If you tell someone, hey, that chronic shoulder pain that you wake up with every morning, it might be because of the bread you have every day. They're going to be like, what? That doesn't make any sense. So Whole30 is really the program that helps teach you that awareness because there's no universal food that is good or bad for everyone. And then after the Whole30, this entire food freedom program with a whole book behind it is essentially designed to walk you through those two really important questions in life after Whole30, which is, is it worth it? How is this food going to impact me mentally, physically, emotionally? you know, what's it going to do? How long is that impact going to be? Is that worth it for me? Is it worth the breakouts? Because I love this food so much or the temporary digestive distress or the mood change. And then secondly, do I want it? So often we eat foods mindlessly because they're there or they're offered or it's habitual or you're at a party. So of course you're going to have a beer or a glass of wine, but really getting into that awareness mindset of like, is it worth it? And do I even want it? really helps you make those good decisions for you going forward. And food freedom isn't always about saying no. I'm not just teaching you how to say no to things that aren't serving you. I'm also teaching you how to say yes to the things that really are worth it. And how can you incorporate those foods into your diet, but still feel as good as you want to feel. And that's the balance that food freedom helps you achieve. I love that. I think people don't want to admit that like you mentioned the obvious connection with smoking and and the health risks with that but even with i i don't want to put my mom on blast because she does <laughs> listen to the podcast but she has a lot of like inflammation and arthritis pain and all of this and so i always am on her with how great you felt giving up dairy and with your aches and pains and all of that from like the course of your season and so i shared with her well why don't you do this and she was like i could i could no- that can't be it First of all, it was like, dairy would never hurt me. Dairy is my Mm -hmm. friend. (laughs) And then it's like that I would never, ever be able to do that. And it's just so, it's obviously you can, like you're, you're fine. And she was like, oh no, I would rather die than give up dairy. I'm like, well, that's a really, (laughs) but I feel like people say that they'll say like, oh, I could never give up my, my morning car or or this, like anything like that. So it's just interesting to me, like what. I don't know why I'm super triggered by people that are just like going into a therapy session right now, but triggered by people that set those limitations on themselves because obviously we did it and I was the, I'm like fast food queen. So if I can do this and we can do the 30 day and obviously go through the food freedom and still feel great, I want other people to do that. And I know that other people can do that because if we are able to do it with our crazy schedule and all of that and the foods that we loved, then I just want other people to experience that. So what I'm sure you get so many people that just tell you, I can't do that. I could never do that. What is that triggering for you as well? Like, you just want to like share this world with them and and give them the confidence that they can do it. It took my mom like eight years to do the whole 30, (laughs) eight years. And she would come visit me and she would be like, Oh, my shoulder tendonitis is so bad. I can't even lift my shirt over my head. And I'm like, yeah, mom, I like wrote this book and a lot of people think it's pretty good and it might actually help you, but like, you know, no pressure. And she finally did a whole 30 a lot, you know, many years later. 
what I find is that people tend to have what we assume are logical arguments against the whole 30. Um, I wouldn't know what to eat if I didn't eat dairy, or I don't know how to grocery shop for this, or I don't know how to meal plan, or I'm not a very good cook. What's really happening there though, is that it is an emotional argument. There is an emotional attachment to these foods. There is an emotional reason that you wouldn't want to try something that might actually make you better. And I find that people who have chronic illnesses or a chronic condition, they sometimes get attached to that condition. And I think that there's some fear or trepidation around this idea of food could make your symptoms better. Because if you accept that food could make your symptoms better, then maybe you have to think about the fact that some of your food choices contributed to your symptoms and your quality of life. And that can be an understandably scary place for some people, you know, especially people from my mom's generation, they tend to trust their doctor and they tend to rely on these medical professionals to just like give them a solution. And they're not taught to like be advocates for their own care. And they're not taught about things like diet and lifestyle. So I think that aspect of it can be scary. And if someone's not ready to do a whole 30, there's nothing you can say or do to convince them. So what I always tell people is just lead by quiet example. You don't have to rub it in their face, but you can talk about Justin, how you're walking around and like that achy knee is just gone and how nice it is to be able to like walk onto the field and not feel that anymore. And that even after your whole 30, you've been able to maintain that freedom because now you know what your food triggers are and you just mostly avoid them. Like those are the kind of stories I find that can bring people in, but like the more, especially with moms, the more you push sometimes the harder they're going to like fight back. Yeah. And I think, I think definitely people tie their food to their life experiences and things that are going on. And it's such like a habit, like mm-hmm. for example, my parents for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years, every Friday night, they, it's a family tradition. They go to this Mexican restaurant, Mi Casa, to have dinner. And it's like their social Friday family night event. And like, I was talking to court about this and she was like, yeah, whenever I had a big test in college, like my, my release, my freedom from that test was I would go straight to McDonald's and my I filet fish meal, my like large, yeah. it was comfort. And then it was just like a long nap of just like exhaustion. And that was just how I, <clears throat> I would celebrate making through an exam or a term paper or something like that. And even growing up, it was like the pizza hut, what book it, you read so many books and you get a pizza. So it became like this reward system for me. Yeah. And so now we would always look to celebrate things with, but we'd always say, Oh, do you want to be bad tonight? And then we'd go and get something or even the sad moments or, you know, you're down or break up or anything. It's like, okay, what crap am I going to eat? You're not like, let me go run to whole foods and get a head of lettuce to celebrate this moment. Obviously like you're just conditioned to run towards bad food. I feel like. Well, it's societally pressured. It's societally modeled for sure. You know, if every time your parents fought, you got an ice cream, then that's going to be your comfort food. It's marketed to us. Break up with your boyfriend, have a pint of Ben and Jerry's. The foods that we are being served today are created by food scientists to be super normally stimulating and make you want to overconsume them because they're calorie dense and nutrient poor and foods with no breaks. So like there's a lot not working in your favor when it comes to an emotional relationship with food. And then you take into account the idea of like culturally significant foods and family significant foods. I never, I don't like it when people say like, oh, just think of food as fuel because it's not. 
there are these emotional attachments and these, you know, for many food is love and food is connection. And I don't want to take that away from you. But I also do want to disconnect the idea that the only way you can connect or show love with friends and family is through food. Like it shouldn't matter if you show up to that Friday night Mexican restaurant and your fajitas are served in lettuce versus a flour tortilla. Like that shouldn't make a difference to the communal experience. And if you can make some small changes like that and still have those connections while nourishing yourself in a way that serves you best, to me, that's like a win-win. It's funny because I'll have friends if I'm like let's say during spring training when we were doing the whole 30 and we would go to dinner and the way that I would order, they're like, Oh, Courtney's, you know, doing one of her boring things right now. Like it was kind of like, Oh, Courtney's not here right now. It's the other Courtney. Oh, she's not drinking. Like she's just having a soda water with lime. What like, Oh, cool. And it's funny. Like I'll go to games. And if I have a friend that's like, wait, what you're not ordering nachos, you're not doing this. And people start to get kind of I don't know, almost offended. Yeah, Yeah. they're like, wait, what's going on? Like, and you can still have those dinners and go to those games and have those gatherings. And what I'm eating should not affect other people, but people take it personally. They, I often say you can make people feel defensive about what, what they're doing just by doing what you're doing without (laughs) saying a thing. And alcohol is like such a good example of that because when you show up to the bar and you just order like a sparkling water with lime, all of a sudden it's like a mirror up to other people's relationship with alcohol and the peer pressure and the mockery and the ridicule that can come along with that. Like I'm really good at standing up for myself. I'm not, and I'm always just like, don't worry about what's in my glass. And you just go and you enjoy yourself and you have a good time. But yeah, people definitely notice And if you're not prepared for the fact that the people you're closest to who should be the most supportive of you wanting to make Mm -hmm. healthy changes are often the ones who get the most defensive, it can really throw you for a loop. And you might be tempted to abandon that healthy decision just to keep the peace rather than holding that boundary and trying to understand where the other person is coming from. Because it's not about you or what's on your plate at all. Yeah. Usually it's about them not wanting to admit (laughs) that they need to make changes in their life. So they just try to throw daggers at you because you're capable of doing it and they're not. Well, it's funny. Girlfriends will be out to a bar and they're like, wait, you're not going to have another one. And (laughs) we were reading a book in our book club. I think it's quit like a woman. And it just had me have like this whole change in my mindset of like why we're drinking and how the pressures of drinking. And it's funny, like you'll just be out to dinner and someone's like, wait, if you're not going to have another one, like, why would I have another one? It's like, well, if you weren't going to have another one already, why does my decision, (laughs) like, I don't need to go down that rabbit hole with you, but I don't know. Yeah. That's my friend Holly's book. And it's an awesome book. And I think it's great for all of us to examine our relationships with these foods. It's not, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying everyone who, you know, examines their relationship with alcohol should never drink again. But like, I also don't think we should just like, la la la, not look at it. You know, that's not necessarily healthy or serving us. It's funny that book got our book club up in arms. And then at the end it was like, okay, I get it. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. The defensiveness comes out when it comes to food. It really does. I often say talking about food is third only in terms of like politics and religion for how divisive it can be. Yeah. Well, okay. I want to, I want to bring something else up. One, one of the ways that I defend or promote, I don't know which way you want to look at it. Uh, whole 30 is by some of the stuff that has come out some of the sauces, some of the dressings, some of the companies, New Primal and Atesame and all, all these places that have come up with these Whole30 approved products. 
and how excited I get when I go shopping and I just see the whole 30 label because it just makes it easy for me to know it's clean. And then I don't even have to read the label because I know the work's already been done. But what's um, like, what would you say about that? Because when I tell people, I'm like, look, like, yes, you're eating clean, but like, there's still like this really good, like new primal buffalo sauce that you can put on your chicken. And (laughs) there's these really good salad dressings that you can put on your salad. So it's not like something crazy. Like, if you don't like eating the food straight up, like you can still make it taste really good and be eating clean. So like, was that a part of your process? How much involvement did you have in getting these other companies into Whole30 and getting them on the market, getting them in the stores to try to help people be more successful, do, yeah, be yeah. More successful yeah. In, in their journey? Yeah, we have over 140 Whole30 approved partners right now, of which Fresh and Lean Meal, National Meal Delivery, which I eat every day, P.S., is one of my new Mm -hmm. favorites. And, you know, Whole30 approved, seeing that logo on the bottle or on the meal or on the packaging serves so many purposes. One, it definitely takes the guesswork out of it. You know that if you're eating it, it's absolutely gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, dairy-free, peanut-free, added sugar-free. So even if you're not on a Whole30, it fits so many different lifestyle, you know, preferences or lifestyle requirements. And Whole30 is not a diet. You aren't counting calories. You're not restricting calories. It is not boring diet food. If you, Courtney, was following along with like Whole30 recipes, we eat well. The food is absolutely delicious. Our recipe creators get so creative and because you're eating real whole food, these dressings and sauces, everything from Yai's Thai curry sauce to the New Primal's buffalo sauce to our Made by Whole30 ranch or secret sauce, they just are such easy ways to tie whole food ingredients together in a way that's like really pretty effortless. So you can kind of cook once and season with a different dressing or sauce a few different times. It makes meal prep really easy. It makes food waste essentially negligible because you don't get bored of eating the same meal over and over. And I think it's just a win for consumers who want to do the whole 30, but they need it to be convenient. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, this is kind of my selling point to like guys on our team is because they're like, Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. And I'm like, look like guys, like there's all these sauces that (laughs) taste so good. And you can, you can literally make anything taste however you want to make it taste. And it's still going to be healthy. It's still going to be clean for you. And I will echo the fact that the Whole30 meals are incredible and the fresh and lean ones that, that we're on um, taste so good. We, I have them delivered to our hotels on the road and I eat them on the road and we get them delivered to the house and have them all the time at the house. And I will ask you real quick, which is your, do you have a favorite fresh and lean Whole30 I don't, meal? Because I don't, I, what I like about them is I get something different every single week. That's like the yeah. best part of it. So like, I never know what's going to show up, which is really good for me because I could eat the same thing every single day. And if I could pick, I'd probably just eat the same two fresh and lean meals over and over. But like some of their breakfast meals with like chicken sausage and egg and mixed veggies and sweet potatoes are so good any time of the day. I love that I can just keep them in my fridge. And like, yes, I cook. I have a big pot of chili sitting upstairs ready for dinner, but like in between Zoom calls or if my husband feels like something else, he can just like grab a meal and go. You know, one of my favorite meal templates to cook, which any of your team could do, and they can DM me for the recipe. That's like not even a recipe (laughs) is throw a couple pounds of ground meat on the stove, cook it up, plain salt and pepper. Anyone can manage that. Whatever veggies you have in the fridge, dot like dice them up and saute them plain and then mix it together. And that's your base. And now you can serve that over spinach or cauliflower rice or mashed potatoes or 
sweet potato spears or zucchini noodles or whatever you want and mm-hmm. throw a dressing or sauce over it. And like, that's your absolutely delicious meal. And if you cook a bunch of it, two pounds of ground meat, that'll last me and probably my husband who eats twice as much as I do, like a <laughs> solid three days. Yeah. And you can make it taste different just by adding pasta sauce one night and guacamole and salsa the next night. Yep. So there's tons of variety in there. Yeah. I'm the person that's bringing my meal prep and my fresh and leans to the game and <laughs> making it work just with all of our travel, like having them in the room. And I think the key for us for the whole 30 is just planning. And I think that yeah. people will probably use that as an excuse of, oh, I'm so busy. Oh, I'm traveling. And I'm just thinking no one's really traveling probably more than us. So if we can make it work and I think just, yeah, the key is making the grocery list and, and being ready for things. And if you're going to a restaurant, we're big on looking at the menu and seeing what we can have before and just making sure we're not caught up in the moment and ordering something that isn't going to work for us. So, yes. And I travel with like no fewer than 10 meat sticks on me at all times. There's (laughs) I always have like a jerky or a meat stick and we have tons of whole 30 approved partners, chomps and a yoga and Epic and the new primal that make these delicious like proteins. Cause that's kind of the hardest thing to find when you're on the go, you can usually find like fruit or dried fruit or nuts and seeds at the airport, but it's like hard to find high quality protein. So that's what I bring with me the most. And it's also the most satiating if you're on the go. So that's kind of my little secret weapon. Yeah. Snacks are definitely the toughest for me too. Yeah. Like when you're at the field and you're hanging around and you're like, God, I, I just need like a little snack and like you're going through and we actually have chomps at the field, which makes it easy. Love chomps. Yeah. And our, have you, have we, have you tried the rocket pumpkin seeds yet? No. They are um, pumpkin seeds that mm. are like coated. So there's 10 grams of protein. There's 20 grams of protein in this bag, plant-based protein. They are crunchy. They are delicious. They are a complete mini meal. I am going to send you like a case of them when yes. we get off the phone. And oh, if you yeah. hear this with your chomps, you're going to be pumped. I that was my biggest seeds. thing is whole 30 is I wanted crunch. Yeah. Yeah. Cause obviously we actually we have a blog post in the making about how to add crunch to your whole 30. Cause you're missing that with like potato chips or tortilla chips, yes. but there are some really good ways. And these rocket snacks are incredible. I love that. Well, let's back up a little, well, let's back up a long way. Obviously you're very following your Instagram and the advice that you give. And obviously everyone just trusting you with whole 30, that doesn't just happen. And I think that happens because you're open and you show vulnerability and you've, expressed different failures in your life and things that you've went through. So back, can you back us up and take us through how you ended up forming whole 30? Obviously it didn't, you didn't just fall into this. You created this and it's become incredibly successful. It's changed our lives. And so how did that happen? Yeah. So people often ask like, Oh, were you always super healthy? Were you always into like athletics and eating well? And I was like, no, I spent like six years as a drug addict actually. Um, so from, from my senior year in college, in high school, rather all through college and then dropping out of college. And then a few years after I spent about five years addicted to drugs and I've been in recovery now for 21 years. So it's been a really long time, but it wasn't until I got out of rehab for the second time after my relapse that I realized that I really had to change everything about my life. If I was going to make this recovery stick, it wasn't enough to just stop using drugs. I had to become the healthy person with healthy habits that just wouldn't even have drugs on their radar. So 
I went back into one-on-one therapy extensively. I started going to the gym. I made a group of like-minded friends who like to run and go to yoga instead of going out for drinks at night. I found a new job. I changed my clothes. I changed the music I listened to. Like I really embraced this growth mindset of like, I am a healthy person with healthy habits. I needed to be that person, even though I was only one day in recovery at that point, you know? And that's really where my passion for fitness, which still continues to this day and healthy eating came from. And Whole30 was an extension of this self-experimentation journey where in 2009, I was really into CrossFit and into my athletic performance and recovery. And it was just a two-person self-experiment. Like what would happen if we cleaned up our diet, this like last 20%, how would it feel? How would it impact our performance? And the experience was so profoundly transformational for me physically. Yes. But also like psychologically and emotionally in terms of my relationship with food that I decided to share it with my little CrossFit training blog. And like, that was the birth of the whole 30. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And that's like court said, very vulnerable of you sharing that story and in your path and your journey. And I think it's important that everyone like hears that, especially on our podcast, our listeners, like that there is, you know, a lot of ups and downs. Um, success just didn't happen overnight and everything that you went through to come out with this whole 30 and the way that you're impacting so many lives uh, is just remarkable. And I just want to say thank you for sharing that with everyone. That's, yeah. that's really cool. Thank you so much. I decided to start talking about my recovery as part of my kind of full 30 platform pretty early on in the process. There's a lot of recovery language woven into the language of the whole 30 and the support that we offer just subconsciously, because I have always done all the writing and that's kind of how I think about things. But I realized pretty early on that people would come up to me at seminars and say, I feel addicted to food. I feel out of control with food. And like, look at you, you go to the gym and you've been doing whole 30 and you eat well, like you wouldn't know what it was like to feel <laughs> out of control. And I started telling my story because I was like, but I do. And food and drugs are not that different from a psychological perspective. And I found it really helped me forge connection with my community and destigmatize the idea of addiction and, and recovery and mental health issues, which is, uh, I'm a huge advocate for at this point in my life. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like, you know, the biggest change in your life, both with your addiction and recovery and your company whole 30 is it's all about boundaries, the boundaries you set for yourself and managing those boundaries and not caring, uh, what other people think or say or do like you have your boundaries, you set them, you follow them. And that's really kind of given you this 180 in your life and really projected you on just huge success. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I talk about boundaries a lot right now. And I really, I learned how to set boundaries for myself in recovery because I had to, to literally save my own life. But I learned how to talk to people about boundaries through the whole 30, because for many, that was the first time that they had to learn how to say no and stick up for themselves and realize that they're worthy of making those decisions, even in the face of some of the kind of peer pressure that court just talked about. So I learned how to talk to people about boundaries and how to counsel them. And now I talk about boundaries in so many different circumstances and areas, and I'm a huge advocate for sticking up for yourself, you know, staying in your business and realizing that you're worthy of like creating these limits around how people can treat you. I think it's so helpful to share all of this because I think people are able to detect 
if someone's not being real. Obviously, social media and how things are now, it's there's so much of just a front out there. And you're just like, here I am. Here's my journey. Because obviously, if you just popped up one day on Instagram and you were this person starting Whole30 and you're just fit and, and you look how you look, people are like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. You look like that. And, and they don't know everything that you've went through and everything you've done to build this life for yourself. So I think I can appreciate that. And I think that's kind of how we try to be, at least we try to be. And I get a lot of feedback from the podcast of thank you for sharing that embarrassing story or thank you for sharing what you went through. I didn't think that you and Justin did things like that or went through things like that. And um, I just think that that resonates with people and especially the people that say, oh, I can't do Whole30 or like, look what I've been through. And here I am standing and standing strong. And I just think that that, that's so important. Especially when you have a public persona, I think, I spent a couple years in the earlier days of Whole30 when I was in an unhappy marriage to my husband and business partner at the time. And I I went through a few years of what I called Whole30 Melissa. And Whole30 Melissa was perfect. She showed up perfectly. Her hair was perfect. Her makeup was perfect. She never showed you any aspect of her life that wasn't ideal. And I became like this imposter in my own life. I couldn't even live up to Whole30 Melissa and the image that I was crafting. And I became completely unrelatable to anyone who wanted to follow along with Whole30. And it wasn't until my very public divorce and business split, my son is one, I'm learning how to single mom, I'm running the business by myself now that I was like, I'm done with all of that. I'm done. I don't want to keep up with it. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like me. And the only thing I can't get wrong is just showing up as myself. And I think that's really where I started to forge a much deeper connection with my community and I felt so much better about it. Yeah. Like Court said, that's, that's something that we've learned throughout this process of doing our podcast is, you know, we run our foundation and we run our social medias and and we try to impact so many people in so many different ways and not to try to compare what other people are going through. But like when we share our vulnerabilities on this podcast, that something that we think is just so light and so funny, so joking, whatever, like you start to realize when people respond, like, oh my God, you do that too. You start to realize how many people feel like they're alone in something until they hear somebody share it themselves. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. They do that too. Like you don't realize how many people are thinking they're, they're the only ones that are going through that. So that's why we love this platform. We love bringing on people like yourself who get to share their stories, share their successes, share their struggles. And hopefully, you know, it'll impact so many people because they'll realize, you know, they're not alone. They're not going through something alone. Yeah. The tagline on my website says I'll go first and I will, I do go first in so many areas. You know, I did an Instagram post not that long ago about that one time I got chlamydia because it happened (laughs) and STDs are like a thing and you should not be afraid to like ask your partner for safe sex practices. And if you feel uncomfortable with that, here's some language that you can use. And Mm -hmm. like that post drew so many responses from people who are like, I felt so ashamed and I felt so insecure about, you know, talking to my new partner about this. And it's like, I have a platform. I have a voice. I have the self-confidence to like weed out any trolls that might come along. So like, yeah, I'll go first. That's amazing. I'm sure I, I always am drawn to on like the popular page on Instagram, like the Instagram models that are now like the body positive. Of, oh, mm-hmm. let me show you my actual angle of this photo that I didn't share with you. And now I'm mad at myself that I didn't share this actual angle yeah. with you. And I just feel like that just resonates so much stronger. And I love that movement that it feels like we're going towards. I know there's still a lot of inauthentic things out there, but I, I love that those are getting more yeah. and more attention now. 
that's such a great way to make social media feel like connecting and uplifting as opposed to just divisive and like making you feel bad about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm sad to draw this conversation to an end. (laughs) We've had such a great time chatting with you and thank you again for sharing your story and everything in between. And hopefully this is first of many conversations we can have together and continue on our food freedom together. Food freedom. I would love that. If you're ever in Salt Lake City, come on over. I'll make you dinner. You can snuggle with my dog, Henry, but I'd love to continue the conversation in person one day. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. That was so great. I'm full disclosure, sweaty, and I just get so nervous when well, I get nervous for everyone, but <laughs> I get so nervous when someone so important and powerful comes on. But she was really cool. And that was, a, I think, a really, really good conversation for people to hear. Yeah, that was that was awesome because obviously we brought her on here to talk about Whole30 um, because she's the founder of it. And I feel like it just covered so much more. Well, when you think about food and what you're eating and putting in your body, it is so much more. And we touched a little on uh, relationships with food or the social aspect or things that are conditioned our entire lives that we do and why we do them. And so I think you can't just talk about food and what you're eating. You have to have the full conversation around everything, especially with drinking and the relationship with that. And then hearing everything with her going through her addiction and going through rehab and coming out on top. And I just love, love, love a turning your life around story. And I think it's funny. We talk about people that say, Oh, I could never give up soda for a month or cheese for a month. And here is this woman that completely was at the bottom yeah, and found a way to, get control of her life back, starting with obviously rehab and taking control of her life and finding authenticity in who she was and also through Whole30. So I think that conversation is going to hopefully resonate with a lot of people and get people's minds turning a little bit. Yeah, I love the story where she said she had someone tell her that they were so addicted to food and they couldn't help it and that you know, Melissa had no idea what they were going through. Right. And she's like, actually, I know exactly what you're going through. And it's just funny because I, it's not funny, but it's just ironic because I think a lot of the times you hear people say that all the time, like you have no idea what I'm going through and they have no idea what, you know, anyone's going through really. So, um, just to kind of don't single yourself out. You have no idea what everyone's going through and uh, maybe, someone out there like Melissa yeah. who's been through a lot can, can really help you and make that connection with you yeah, or for sure. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, it's sad, but you think of what a drug addict would look like or someone that goes through recovery. And I think that some people have, yeah. and I'll admit myself, you have someone in mind Yep. and it's a lot of these things that are going on that I'm sure she had people in her life that she hid it from or had no idea or would think, Oh my gosh, no, not her. She doesn't look like what you would think of Mm -hmm. with that. So I think that just shatters, you know, that stereotype or what our mind would be when we think of someone going through that. So I think it, it, I said, if you went on her Instagram and you see her, she's obviously fit and she 
speaks so well and she just is like this guru on all of these life topics where I'm just in awe of when she's giving this advice and you just think, oh, she probably had it so easy or, you know, she grew up doing sports and was fit. And so, you know, how could I connect or how could I do what she's doing? And so I think that's why I just was trying to put so much emphasis on the fact that it's important to share your struggles and your vulnerability. And I just love that she's so open about that because I think people take that and think, okay, like if she made it through that, then yeah, she can relate to me and I can do that. Yeah, that was amazing. And I mean, we thanked her for it, but like truly amazing how comfortable she is speaking about it because I do think it's important that people hear it because there's so, I feel like there's so many people out there who feel like they're alone in what they're going through. And the more vulnerable we are and the more we speak about things, um, you know, the more everyone knows that, you know, we're in this together and there's other people going through the same struggles that you're going through and there's no reason to feel alone. And there's people that you can talk to, um, and get advice from or lean on and go through something together to help you come out the better, the other side, a better person. Definitely. Well, special thanks again to Melissa Urban, Whole30 co-founder and CEO, best-selling author for coming on here and chatting with us today. If you want to follow her on social media, I highly recommend it. There are so many good, not only recipes and products and all of that, but just good life advice. And like I said, so much vulnerability on her page. So Instagram, it's at Melissa U. Or you can follow Whole30 on Instagram at Whole30 or visit their website, whole30.com for recipes, blog posts, podcasts, everything you need, support if you're interested at all and learning anything about it. Um, I definitely suggest that you check that out. Yeah, go check it out. Give it a follow and let us know. Let us know about your Whole30 journey. (laughs) Ready, set, go. Yes. And if that interview just wasn't enough, uh, you can also check out a Instagram live that Melissa is going to be doing with Fresh and Lean uh, on Instagram, obviously. And that's going to be on January 18th at noon Pacific time. So like we talked about with those resolutions, if you want to start your new year strong, make sure that you check it out. You won't want to miss it. Yeah. Make sure you check it out. It's going to be awesome. And yeah, I think this is a great little tidbit to help you along all your little goals and aspirations and your resolutions. So we can't wait to follow along with you. Yes. And one last thing, that friendly reminder, as always, to rate and review the podcast and Spotify listeners, you can finally rate so you can give us a five-star review. Hopefully we've earned it. We love seeing those and we love reading all of your reviews. We appreciate every single one of them. And that is going to do it for this week. We thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you all next time. See ya. Bye. Boom.